Guys are back from Vegas. Not a lot of healthy people in Vegas. And when I think about healthy people, I think about Health IQ, the life insurance company that caters for healthy people like us. Kaylee, tell us a little bit more. That is right, Fred. If you head over to healthiq.com slash Valenies, you can get a special quote on life insurance that takes into account how super duper healthy you are. Mm. As long as you don't go to that prime rib buffet, you know? Yeah, it's true. On with the show. Welcome back to the Velo News Podcast. I'm Fred Dreyer, Editor-in-Chief of Velo News. I'm back in Boulder after a few days in Vegas. Kaylee, you're here. True. So is Spencer. Hello. Uh, before we get into it, guys, we survived multiple days at the Interbike Trade Show in Las Vegas. Um, what was What's going to be your top memory from your time at Interbike? All right, I'll go with mine. Uh, last <laughs> right day, it. walking along the show, uh, walking down from my hotel, staying in Luxor, which has Chris, uh, Chris Angel Mind Freak. And oh, um, yeah. I saw that the, 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 the gear, the swag shop for Chris Angel Mind Freak, they sell a Chris Angel Mind Freak branded Frisbee. And like, not even like a nice Frisbee, not like, you're not going to be playing ultimate with this or even like disc golf. This is like a gust of wind is going to take this thing and put it in a true Frisbee. I was like, who's buying that Frisbee? Well, probably a magician because he could take that Frisbee and turn it into anything he wanted. I think he could just turn it, uh, flip it upside down and like eat out of it at the buffet. Mind freak. Oh my God. We're we're swag ever. Uh, Anyone else have some good, good stories? Yeah, I, I got up super early for a bike ride that uh-huh. Lazine organized. Very, very nice of them. And I forgot my pedals. Oh, man. And so I had to go back and find them in the hotel, which I also got lost in. Um, but when I was setting up my bike in the sort of parking area of the Luxor, uh, these two really nice ladies came up to us and started talking and made friends with us. It was really cool. I mean, the locals are just very outgoing and friendly. And, you know, they were just, I just, they had, I a, nice, I they had a nice way about them. You I know? think I met them as well. Spencer. They were really well dressed, too. Like, and for, mm. for that early in the morning, it was kind of like, huh, all right, cool. Uh, we're going to leave it at that one. Uh, Kaylee, any good Vegas stories? No. No. <laughs> you came back with a little sniffle. Yeah, I kind of had sniffles while we were there. Uh, came back. Yeah, yeah, but you, but you didn't abandon Interbike with the sniffles. Did not abandon Interbike so, with sniffles. Thanks for uh, sticking it out. Tried to stick it out. Tough yeah, guy. no, Real flew, tough flew, guy. Flew straight there to my my brother's wedding. Uh, congratulations, brother, on getting married. Oh, uh, that was a oh, that was a much more enjoyable part of my of my Ooh. week last week. Well, R.I.P. Interbike in Vegas. Uh, all right, guys, we have a full slate to get to today because we had the UCI Road Cycling World Championships go on this past week in charming Bergen, Norway. The Meisterschaften. Yeah. Those images of Bergen, Norway made me really want to just charter a flight there, um, drape myself in the Norwegian flag and like go hang out. It looked super nice. Big giant ships everywhere. I went out and bought like 10 pounds of smoked salmon after watching yeah, that race. God, it looked stocked. Looked stocked. great. Effective looked marketing great. effort. Very effective marketing. Uh, they have the world's largest timber building. I learned that from the broadcast. Uh, anyway, I, I thought it looked great. I was not there. We were there watching. We were, we were here watching at home. And in all of the races, I felt like there was excitement. There were storylines, and there was the opportunity for just takes on top of takes on top of takes. No. So many takes. So many takes. Don't you even? So I say we start off with this U23 men's road race. Uh, there's some takes coming out of this because this was won by our good pal. Benoit Cosnefroy, apologies to all the French people of the world for mispronouncing young still, Benoit's name. Wait, still better than you did on the Valenus show. I thought, so. I thought we had Mo News. We will get to the Mo right, News. I'm excited. So <laughs> Benoit Cosnefroy 
wins the U23 road race. He's in a breakaway with uh, Leonard Kamna. Hmm. And afterwards, after he wins, Twitter just gets lit on fire with a debate about whether or not world tour riders should be allowed to compete in the U23 uh, road race for worlds because Kazafora, he rides for uh, AG Duzer, A-G-2-R. Yeah, but of course. Eh? Yeah, of Thanks course. for the translation, Fred. Very nice team. So let's get to it. Takes. What do you think, Kaylee? This is the existential sandbag question. Mm. I mean, this is really this this this... This occurs everywhere from the very top of the sport all the way down to the Cat Fives of America. Yeah. You know, do you upgrade to, you know, probably a, a, a place where you will not win anything? You know, I don't think that either of those U23 riders would have won anything in the elite race. Or do you stay where you are and have maybe your victory tainted by your sandbaggery? Ooh. Ooh. I, I fall on the side of you should get your ass out of whatever group you're in. But here's That's the, where I sit. Here's the question, though. I think there's a big difference between you should get your ass out of there and we should create a rule to kick them out. Where do you fall on the... It's like a gentleman's agreement. We should ca- create a rule to, to, like, if you're a world tour rider, you cannot compete in the U23 ranks. I agree. Really? Yes. Well, strong takes. <laughs> no, I do, because, you know, if, if you are a world tour rider, you are ostensibly at the top of the sport. Yep. There's only, you know, a couple hundred guys that actually fit that particular definition. Uh if you are good enough to be in the world tour, you should not be allowed to race the U23 race. You know, it's essentially, it's the U23, it's a, it's a, it's a protected race. You're supposed to be sort of protected from the very elite of, of. Well, but I mean, sport. for an under 23 rider, who's perhaps a pro continental rider, doesn't that mean if you do win worlds, then isn't it, isn't there an asterisk there? Isn't it? Oh, well, you know, the world tour guys weren't there though. But there I, are already lots of really good U23s that don't race the U23 road race. Well, that's that's the thing is it's like does it even really truly affect the actual outcome? Is it always going to be a world tour rider who wins? And I'm not so sure if it's always the case, especially in the road race where there's all kinds of weird tactics happening and I mean also there's no way this guy's getting on the French team for the elite race because he's he's I mean he's okay but he's not like that. Yeah, I mean that was my question too is like what prepares you better for this type of race being in the world tour? Like let's say there's a world tour U23 who races not very much because he is a U23 and uh, the 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 world tour team just doesn't have many opportunities to race him or some U23 who's racing on like a pro conti team and is racing constantly and has, you know, entrance into big races and is maybe getting more looks, maybe getting more opportunities. Like who's better prepared in that situation, should we kick? Should we say one guy can't compete? Yeah, and to that point, uh, Benoit Cosnefoy, he he did not race any World Tour events in 2017. He just didn't. He he did some 1.1s, some 1.2s, some 2.2 stage races, decent results. But yeah, he's not like a regular on the World Tour circuit by now, any stretch. Now, I I did see the argument that some people were making was like, hey, you know, the point of U23 Worlds is for us to scout talent to U23s. So like some of these World Tour guys, I, I think. Uh, Charlie from uh, Canada was saying that. Basically. Charlie Vigalius. Charlie Vigalius basically saying, like, you know, this is a good chance for us to get some looks at these guys. And if you're a world, world tour rider and you're U23, like, you've already gotten your look. You are, you don't need the opportunity to. to and to by mid September, too, right? I right. mean, come on. There's not that many contract opportunities left by mid September. And I get that. But then part of me harkens back to my time spending time with the Top Sport Flandern team <laughs> of um, development in Belgium. And it's like, by the time a guy in Belgium has gotten to the U23 World Road Race, like he's a known quantity. Like he's been scouted since the time he was 16. So it's like if you're really waiting till the U23 Road World Championships to scout guys, like maybe you aren't doing your job very well. <laughs> and yeah, I, 
there's there's a real mix of riders who have won the U23 World's Road Race over the years. Just looking back at the results, there's some really familiar names: Arno Demar, mm. Michael Matthews, uh, going all the way back to Yaroslav Popovich. Oh, that guy, Ivan Basso. You know, very well prepared for that race. Konstantin Sweetsauce. Yep, remember him? <laughs> but you know, there's some others that you just I don't know. I mean, personally, they're not familiar names to me. There's some that just aren't as they they they, they get an opportunity and they take it. So I, I I would opt more for a higher oh, level we, of racing. We got a, a head shaker over <laughs> here. Kaylee Kaylee wants to make more rules. Don't more let rules. The, don't let the A's race with the C's. More rules. <laughs> more rules. No. Okay. Why? We'll go back to collegiate racing. No, we did actually. We kind of dealt with this at nationals every year back in my college days. Just like U twenty three. Just exactly like U twenty. It's a direct analogy. Yep. Uh, no, but like pros would show up, right? Usually pros that were taking like three online classes. And would show up and just whoop up on all of us. And I, I always thought that that was a little bit ridiculous. If you are, if you have a pro contract, you don't need to be racing collegiate national championships. Just make us all look silly. Yes, we understand you're faster. You're a professional cyclist. You're not a college student. Or maybe you are. You're taking three online classes. Well, I think it's kind of the same way. If, University of Phoenix. Yeah, if, national if, champions. If, you have, if you've made it, if you've made it to... The world tour already, like just leave the poor U23s alone. Go get your ass kicked in the in the elite race. That's where you belong. How dare you disparage those pro cyclists taking class at Bob's VCR Repair College <laughs> and uh, Betamax Fix It School? They're real student athletes. Um, I, I hear you on that. I mean, our sport is so full of these ethical conundrums about whether or not an athlete is overqualified to be participating in his or her race. I mean, we could get into uh, Masters Cyclocross National no, Championships no, no, no. with all the no. uh, retired pros. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's not talk about Let's it. Talk about it. No. Let's talk about it. Let's Sorry, talk about Twitter. It. Too controversial. Sorry, Twitter. <laughs> Too controversial. Um, well, it'll be, an interesting, it'll be an interesting conversation for it. My personal take... Let them race, and then just let them deal with uh, people like us calling them sandbags. Uh, I think we should ask Cat Three. Ooh, you know Cat Three's. Let's face it, experts in sandbagging That's in both true. directions. They can go anywhere. They can go fours. They well, now they can't go down. No, never mind. But I'll, maybe they were doing fours. Maybe they were before. doing fours, or maybe they were ones or twos that then dropped down to threes and are now sandbagging the Cat Threes. The possibilities are limitless. Dude, you know what my favorite Cat Three sandbag is? Is like the junior expert mountain biker yeah. who is so fit. And just like, hey, I just started road biking. <laughs> and like shows up in the Cat 3 race with mountain bike pedals on. Me. <laughs> it just like rides away from everybody. You're like, come back, junior expert mountain biker who has no idea about road racing tactics, but is so strong it doesn't count. Well, here's a tip if you want to do some, some quality sandbagging. I want to ask in a Cat 3. Yeah, okay. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Cat I thought three. We, just, we just... Did we just start it? Yeah. Sandbagging. So smooth. Yeah. Just <laughs> glide right into it. For me... My Cat 3 sandbag move, uh, just go with the one-day licenses. Ooh. You just keep on getting those one-day licenses, just kind of fly under the radar. They will never know. Like in, like race the fives with the one-day license? Oh, sure. Well, yeah, or fours or, or whatever you feel like. Spell your name you wrong? Could just, oh, yeah, yeah. Some pseudonyms. <laughs> Not a bad idea to go with the pseudonym. We know their database isn't that clean. Come on. Um, wow. So our Cat 3 advice is uh, cheat. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, Frank Dreyer. Yeah. Frank Dreiser. <laughs> Frank Dreyer. Um, my sandbag um, Cat 3 advice is um, just use this experience, if you do find yourself in a race where you're a little overqualified, to just bestow your wisdom onto mm. all the people racing around you because mm. they really want to know your wisdom. Oh, yeah. Like, they can look at you and be like, wow, look at that guy. Look at it, the way he, uh, you know, he's so pro. What kind of things would you tell people? Well, I would be like, um, you know, next time consider, don't wear your boxer shorts underneath <laughs> your... Uh, 
bike shorts. That's the level at which I would be sandbagging. I mean, I'm not a Cat 3, but I feel like if I was going to sandbag into the Cat 3s, I would spend my whole time just explaining line choice. Oh, in good a criteria, call. for example. Yeah. yeah. Like, you, you really want to... Get, get real the, granular. Yeah, get in the nuance of line choice in all the corners. Yeah. Make sure you yell that out nice, to people. Nice. Explain pace lining. No, you're pace lining the wrong direction. And when they start doing it the opposite way, then tell them they're doing it wrong again, just to confuse uh, them up. Keep them on their tits. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I think those were some good Ask a Cat threes. Yeah, they're all right, but I, I mean, I think I think Ask a Cat threes getting a little getting a little stale. I think we need to freshen it up. I think we need some help from our our listeners. Ooh. We just don't have enough Cat threes here. No. We don't have enough. Yeah, we don't have enough brain power either. I think we need our our listeners who are far more qualified and smart than us to submit some very good Ask a Cat three questions. That's it. We're opening Ask a Cat three up. Uh, the email address webletters at competitorgroup.com. Just put Ask a Cat 3 in the subject line. Yeah. I will uh, hopefully be able to find it amid all of the spam emails and uh, Russian viruses and other things that come <laughs> to that what email inbox. Um, hot tips. Plus some, yeah, hot tips, uh, angry emails. There's all sorts of good stuff in that one. But I'm looking forward to your Ask a Cat 3. Yeah, can they tweet at us? Uh, yeah, you can tweet at us. Why not? Yeah. Hashtag Ask a Cat 3. Tweet at Velonews. I and, like it. Uh, We'll just just come at us. Swim in those mentions. This is called crowdsourcing, guys. We yeah. are such. Wait, what? What like, question are we asking our cat threes? Well, they're going to. No, they are asking. Yeah. Oh, they're asking us yeah, cat three. Yeah. 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 Oh. yeah. I mean, that's cat three way. We'll tell them what's up. You know, <laughs> they don't know. Yeah, they're so not cat threes. Just Call. just to get that uh, get those uh, the, the brain flower brain flower get to get that brain power going. You know, yeah, brain flower. Um, <laughs> we could talk about nutrition tips, racing tips, mm. fashion tips. So all the cat threes out there asking questions of us. Yeah. Lots mm-hmm. of them, and we'll come up with the answers. Cool. Not, not of you, Kaylee. Okay, sorry. Uh, okay, moving on. Um, men's Elite Time Trial. Okay. We had the much-anticipated battle between Tommy Doo Dumoulin and Chris Froome, and Dumoulin smoked him. It was over, over a minute, right? Yeah, yeah. So that has lots of people in the psych. Many, many people are talking about, oh, the stage is set for an epic tour de France in 2018. Tom Dumoulin has defeated Chris Froome, the better time trialist. He's proven himself as a great climber with the Giro d'Italia. Do we now think the 2018 tour de France could be, dare I say it, watchable? <laughs> <laughs> could be, could be. Uh, we haven't seen the route yet. Yeah. That announcement is slated for, actually, I just, I just got an email from ASO this morning asking if I would like to come they're not flying us over, so I'm probably not going to be there. Yep, sorry. End of October, we'll find out exactly what the route looks like. We do know, well, we've heard some rumors, a couple things. Um, I don't think we're expecting a super time trial heavy Tour de France. From what we've seen, what we've heard, again, that could be proven wrong, but from what we've seen, what we've heard, we're not expecting a particularly time trial heavy Tour de France. That it kind of takes away Dumoulin's secret weapon. I still don't think Dumoulin is out climbing Chris Froome at the Tour de France next year. Uh, but yeah, I, I do think that this... I do think that this World Championships proves that uh, in the right circumstances, Dumoulin is a better time trialist than Froome. That is a big deal because time trials are basically how Froome has won every single tour for the last four years. I got to say, I think the circumstances that contributed to that are Tom Dumoulin having months to prepare for one time trial and Chris Froome racing the Vuelta and then turning around and being like, all right, you know, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll like sweat the kava and beer out of my system and like try to get ready for this. Uh, I agree. CT. It wasn't a very fair fight. Yeah. It wasn't a very fair fight. I think it's probably more fair than you think. First of all, Froome 
Not not on the cava and the beer after the Vuelta. You don't think so? <laughs> no. That naked photo that he sent out? <laughs> I don't think so. Man, what's up with the naked photo he sent out with like the huge <laughs> raspberry on his hip? I'm all for <laughs> naked cyclist photos, but it's like, maybe get Are this. you? Yeah. Are you really? Sure. Sure, sure, sure. I'm not. It's like, get the other side. I'll take the side where you don't, where you're not photos. bleeding profusely out of. That's pretty gross. Yeah, yeah. but cycling's so tough. Yeah, that's true. Such tough guys. Uh, yeah. Hey, I think, I think it was a pretty, not a completely fair matchup. Uh, I do think that Froome is clearly more tired, you know, Tour de France and the Giro. However, you know, still had that Vuelta fitness. He hadn't come off of it yet. Um, from the guys that I've spoken to, sort of the week after a Grand Tour isn't so bad. The two week after a Grand Tour isn't so bad. It's sort of like the month later, and that's mm-hmm. what that's what makes the that's what makes that that double so tricky. Uh, and the fact that Froome did both, yes, he's more tired. He also got completely smoked by Tom Dumoulin and. Dumoulin climbed. He did the last section faster than Froome did. So two relevant Ooh. points here. Well, saber, I think that there saber is, metrics on the course split. Oh yeah, nice. there is a little bit. There's, there's, there's. I think there's hope of a rider coming into the tour next year that can legitimately challenge Froome in the time trials and potentially legitimately challenge him in the mountains, which we haven't had someone who can do both since Froome came to prominence. A new hope, episode six. Yeah, I just worry about those accelerations, man. Tommy D, he's a pretty like. He's a diesel man. Like I don't know if uh, the the Froom washing machine. Uh, I think that's that's gonna fly away from Tom Dumoulin on the climbs. But we'll just have to just wait and see. That's what cycling is, man. It's just like you know, you put two snakes in a cage and watch them fight, and then one snake dies, and the other one <laughs> takes a naked photo with a big scrape on his hip. That Apt metaphor, Fred. Not yeah. exactly what well I done. was thinking of, but yes, <laughs> you're right. Um, moving on, uh, anything else you want to say about the uh, men's time trial? Roglic, man, second place. I love yeah. that guy. Ski yeah. jumper. Ski jumper. Uh, we it. could crowdsource um, amazing Roglic headlines going forward because he's the ski jumper. Mm. Leaps to victory, Ooh. crashes and burns. Mm. Mm, yeah. Soaring above the competition. Oh, I like that one. It's great. Uh, flying V. Uh, <laughs> Eddie the Eagle. Anything involving Eddie the Eagle? Hmm. Primo's the, the Eagle. All right, that's all we got. We got to move <laughs> off of that one. Um, on to women's elite race. Well, we could talk women's time trial. Boy, Anna Mika yeah. Luton. I mean, best Rushed. climber in the world and best time trialist. Yeah, yeah. And the women's race did not have that climb at the end, so right. that makes it all the more impressive. If it had had that climb at the end, then I would have said, okay, best climb in the world, great. Uh, but without the without the climb, you know, that's a super impressive time trial. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were at La Course this year, and she just dusted people. Yep. On that climb, not even close. No. Yep. Zuard, ouch. Plus. Uh, I would also mention Chloe Daggard Owen getting the chocolate medal in fourth place. Yep. Strong ride for a woman who is not necessarily a climber, you know, more of a track background. She's better on the flatter courses, but yeah, she rode a great race. I'm, I, I bet we see her win a world championship in the next five years. For sure. Yeah. Time trial. Someone said, when you guys saying that like her split was, you know, she lost a good amount of time on the climb and then was like fastest or second fastest on the flats or descent off of the climb. As you would expect, but that's also a sign of that maturity now that she's, even though she's young, she knows how to pace herself. And, she's also coming back from injury. Yeah. So right, she's been well. essentially not racing for months. And, and so to be able to buckle down like that, focus on, focus like that, and, and pull out a ride like that without having much racing or any racing in her legs, I think that's, that's doubly impressive. Very exciting, yeah. Huge, huge talent. Huge talent. All right. Uh, women's elite road racing. This was the all Netherlands all the time show of domination, which, you know, we talked about this on the Villain News show. Um, you know, Chantal Black wins the race after the Netherlands puts on a clinic. We've definitely seen instances in pro cycling where the strongest teams manages to screw it up. 
you know, in some of these uh, elite men's races, you know, I'm thinking of like the Spanish team, the Belgian team in the past. Oh, the Spanish one. What oh, was it? Yeah. 20, 2013 when, when, when Rui Costa beat Costa all of the Spanish guys? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was delicious. Yeah. <laughs> and so sometimes that happens where you're just looking at a team and you're like, there's no way this team is going to lose. And they totally screw it up. And then Alejandro Valverde shows yeah, up. Yeah. <laughs> Alejandro Valverde shows up and says, I love third place. Uh, <laughs> uh, not the case of the Dutch, though. Yeah, the Dutch nope. are definitely, they pulled together, and they were all over that race. I mean, yeah, they rode really, really, really well as a team and in Rio as well. I think that that, that program, uh, the coaching must be very good. You know, I think that they, they do tend to ride well as a unit, and when you have that many crazy strong riders and you're riding as a team, there's... there's like how, how do you how do you how do you defeat that? There's what? really very little chance to actually do any damage there. Well, and they rode on the offensive. Yeah, like, right. pretty much every breakaway had a strong Dutch rider in it. They would bridge up to breakaways. I'm thinking of a couple of the moves involving Anna van der Breggen, where it, it, it seemed like they'd always have sort of a third tier Dutch rider riding out front in the breakaway, and then bridge up with either van der Breggen, van Vluten, whoever. And you know, this final move, there were three Dutch riders in the group of seven. And Van Vluten took a turn, pulling, you know, attacking on the descent. That was marked, and then Black went, and it was it was just gone. So, um, which yeah. is interesting as well because of of the three riders in that move. Yeah, I would peg Block as the best sprinter to be able to challenge the rest of those riders if it came to the line together. But to send her off the front alone, it's clever, and it's also a shine. It's also a sign of confidence yeah. to say, yeah. Let's let Chantal have this one. <laughs> On the other side of things, we oh, have man. we have the American women. Uh, Played a little yeah. bit too much defense, I think. A little bit too much defense. Very strong rides, very good rides from a lot of them. Uh, you know, Ruth Winder had a great, great day out there. Indeed. However, chasing back a lot of moves, wasting a lot of energy, left Corinne. Uh, left Corinne Rivera isolated near the end there. And, uh, well, you all know how that The, the out. other thing, too, is they, they focused all of their tactic on Corinne and yep. Corinne alone. She's a great rider. We love her. She's had a great season, but you can't always count on your, your best rider to be ha- to be having a good day. Right. Sometimes they just don't have a good day. And if you can't follow well, it's a very predictable tactic too. Yeah. Know exactly what they exactly, were doing. And, and exactly. they could play against it and they can, and they could force, they could force the American women to work their butts off, which is exactly what they were forced to do. Yeah. No lead out at the end. Yeah. I mean, not, not an ideal situation. Yeah, I mean, I was watching and following Twitter at the same time, and it's funny. I I was like, man, there's a lot of American riders on the front. And then Mark Cavendish, watching from his home, chimes in on Twitter with the uh, tweet, USA seems to panic chase. I feel they'd be better drawing the break back slower to keep numbers or they'll leave Corinne isolated. And that's exactly what happened. Yep. It just seemed like, you know, Lauren Stevens was on the front chasing a lot. Um, Ruth Winder was on, a lot, on the front a lot chasing, and... It, it did seem like once Megan, because Megan Garnier crashed. Right. She broke her jaw. Yeah. Really Whoa. bad. Nasty. Although it sounds like she's out of the hospital now. Hopefully, Which, best wishes. She said she's eating watermelon. Ooh. Ooh, watermelon. Yeah. Best wishes to her in that recovery. Hopefully, it goes all right. Yep. But, but it did seem like once that happened, yeah, there was one card to play. And they, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe she was that backup that they needed. Yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's the source likely, of this. Yeah, it's very likely she yeah. was sort of the, 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 the plan B. But, but still, I mean, yeah, all that chasing instead of just sticking a solid rider in the move. I mean, obviously, this is us armchair quarterbacking back here. Easier said than done sometimes. But still, I think there are plenty of American riders that had the strength to get some of those moves. And, and you know, if, if Ruth had been able to jump into one of those instead of chasing them, that could have been all the difference. Oh, well, next year. Next, next year. year. Yeah, they next rode well. They did ride well. Yeah. They rode strong. strong. They, they were, rode really they well. Were, yeah. They were part of the action. You know, yep. they didn't just ride around. They just didn't, yep. didn't just sit in the bunch. So yep. uh, kudos to them. On the, 
Um, <laughs> you could have call out the American men for on the other hand. On the other hand, the American men. <laughs> oh. Bunch of bums. Uh, All right, on guys. the other hand, hey, on the other hand, edit this out. <laughs> uh, on the other hand, uh, American men, American men, not so uh, not so awesome. Alexi Vermeulen jumped in that early move. Yeah, that was good. Good job, Alexi. Yeah. Uh, top rider was. 54th, am I remembering right? Yeah, Alex House, yeah. Mr. House, America's best one-day racer, as he's told me numerous times. Ah. <laughs> Worlds I mean, is always so tough for Team America. A, a lot of guys bail on their spot. Lance Armstrong didn't have any trouble back in the 90s, though. Um, he won a title back then. He, yeah, and you know, and, and since then, big old, big old nothing. I mean, I remember even 10, 12 years ago, it's like guys would come off the Welta. All, all the World Tour regulars would be smoked by the end of the year and they wouldn't sign up. So a lot of times you'd see like half the team being composed of domestic riders. And they were good and they were strong. I mean, I remember one year Chris Horner got eighth place after he'd been with uh, WebCore Builders. And that was one of the performances that helped him like get a uh, Pro Tour contract for the next year. But it's just it just has never really been that great for the American guys. Yeah, and I, I think it's a different era now, Fred. I don't think the... American riders of today are quite as disinterested in worlds. You talk to Alex Howes, you talk to Keel Reinen, you talk to a lot of these guys, they're very motivated for worlds. They really like racing worlds. They want to do well at worlds. I think it just comes down to a matter of form and talent. And they'll probably tell you just as soon as I would that a rider like Corinne Rivera, relatively speaking, in her realm is far more likely to have a result than one of them in their realm because that's just a... The, the American women across the board in cycling are just generally getting better results and they're better, better, better riders in general. Yeah, that's very true. I, that's, I mean, that is why I appreciated Alexi Vermeulen's effort. It was a good, least. yeah, why you know, not? Was, you got just, another, why not? Yeah, yeah. As, as a, you know, cheering as a homer a bit, like it's just nice to see, it's nice to see an American kit off the front for a little while, if that's if that's the best we're gonna get, basically yeah. from the world championship. We're still searching for the American yeah. Sagan. And then it was, and then yeah. it was a bummer that you know the TJ Van Garderen crashed. Uh, I think he probably was, you know, he, he's he's got pretty good form right now. I think he's the kind of rider that potentially could have been in that final move, mm-hmm. and you know is not gonna not gonna be, beat Sagan in a sprint, but you know could could have ridden to a, a top fifteen or a top ten maybe, um, if without that sort of nasty crash in the last lap. All right, let's get to it. Peter Sagan, third world championship. Let's get some takes. Um, you know, I was watching this race, and on the final climb of Salmon Hill, I thought to myself, that's it. There's no way he's going to win. You know, it's either going to be Alphalete Moscon, um, someone in that front group. Um, watched them on the descent. The group seemed to come back together, and then, bam, technical difficulties. Let's get into the te- technical difficulties. What, what happened when you, what'd you guys do when the technical difficulties hit? The Great Bergen blackout? Yeah. 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 Uh, when the Great Bergen blackout hit, and I wrote this in a story in our, in our little roundtable on melanews.com earlier this week, uh, it, I just resigned myself to the fact that we were going to see the finish. You just <laughs> pretend that you're there. You're, that's what it's like when you, that's actually what it's like to walk, watch a bike race. It it's is. True. That's you, very you true. just stand there and you're like, it, We'll see what happens. Seven, seven a, beers, please. It's, a, go, it's a magic show. It's a magic show. <laughs> Something appears out of nowhere, and you're like, wait, is that a is that a Russia kit? No, no, no. That's a, oh, is that Norway? Particularly at Worlds, we have no idea what any of the kits look like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. The announcer's going on in Norwegian. <laughs> and also, I find if you watch a bike race in person, for some reason, they all look a little different in person. Maybe it's because you're just not, not used to seeing how small they are. That's true. But it's, it's weird uh, to me to see it in person. And so it had that air of novelty to it, and... Uh, 
but it would have been nice to see those attacks in the final kilometers. I thought my pirated sports of feed had gone down. I was very angry and was going to like yell at Renat. And then I heard Renat chime in and was just like, no, basically like the feed has gone down. <laughs> we got to see a nice picture of like a clipper ship and some fans. Yep. Um, it was very pleasant as I watched the like kilometers tick off. And then all of a sudden, bam, Grupo Compacto, Danish guy off the front, thundering into the finale. Yep. And then it's like, oh man, Alexander Kristoff's going to win this for the home team. And no, he is not. Oh, close. The bike throw. The so bike very close. Throw. It was a fine sprint by Kristoff. I got to say, I, I knew he was coming on form having won the, the, having won the European championships and having won a few other races on his way into this. And of course, it's a home race, very motivated. But if you'd asked me beforehand, I, I mean, I didn't put him in our top 10. Uh, it, strong rider, but I wasn't expecting him to be that close to winning a world championship especially on a course that's a little on the hilly side. Yeah, for I him, figured really. he'd get salmon hilled. Yeah, no, he was swimming up, swimming uphill with the salmon, just fine, going no. uphill to spawn. No, that's a metaphor. Mm. No, that's a good one. Quite oh. good, really very sh- strong showing in Sagan just by a whisker. Uh, okay, let's start the takes. Who wants to start the takes? Um, I'll start the takes. Fernando Gaviria screwed this one up big time. Yes. He was... He's a very strong rider. He didn't race the Vuelta. He's on fine form. This is his year. He's been races, been winning. He's been winning these bunch sprints. And in the final 2K, he just starts shooting every bullet in the chamber. What's he thinking, Spencer? You're a sprinter, man. Wait for it to come back together. Unleash that award-winning sprint. No, 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 Fred. You have, you're not looking at him holistically. Okay. He is a good sprinter, but... Long before he was winning World Tour sprints, he was an excellent track racer. Mm-hmm. And this is a very, it looked to me like how a track racer would approach the final 10 laps of a points race or something where you go off the front if you can and you give it a shot. And I'll tell you what, if he hadn't done that, none of them would have been sprinting for a World Championship jersey. It would have been Gianni Moscon probably winning World Championships or maybe Julian oh, Alaphilippe God. or something. How awful it, would that have yeah, been? Yeah, Moscon had won. They all owe him a debt of gratitude. And furthermore, you know, he sprints to eighth place after all those attacks. The dude's a just pure talent. He's going to win a world championship for sure in the next five years. Eighth, he probably will. Eighth place for a guy who won all those Giro stages. Sorry, man. That's Giro not, stages. Come on. That's not good enough. Giro stages. That's not good enough. You need to be on the podium or you need to be winning. I think he would have been on the podium without all that extra effort. He would have, yeah. but well, no, my point is he wouldn't have. No one would have. It would have been the the weirdo random breakaway guys who that's who would have won it. Maybe Magnus, maybe Magnus Court for all we know, like the 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 Danish guy who was off the front. It was all Fernando Caviria doing that work to bring back the front group. Caviria blew it. Um, other another guy who blew Wrong. it. Wrong. Uh, Michael Matthews. So this comes from Michael Matthews because I actually didn't see him. He, apparently he said he put in some attacks on Salmon Hill and then was like a little too active and felt like he um, fired off a few too many bullets in that finale. I'm, I mean, you've now watched the footage from ahead, from up above Spencer. Have you watched it, Kaylee? Like, what, what's oh, your yeah. your forensic analysis of Matthews in the finale? I didn't think he was as active as Gaviria. I don't think he... He, he, he had more he, time to recover, too. Yeah, he didn't waste as much energy as Gaviria, um, but he was not as smooth as Kristoff and Sagan. Yeah. That's for sure. I mean... So he just he, couldn't get on the wheel when they jumped. Either. Yeah, I, I was. I was. The version that I watched was that helicopter shot with no commentary, which I kind of liked. Actually, kind of like watching finales with no commentary because you just watch what happens. And it's like, it's like this, you know, group of swallows just just, just flying around, and like one part will go up faster, and the other part goes slower. And goes Carlton Kirby slower. having a hernia in your ear. Exactly. It's like, but it is like it's like watching birds fly around in in, in a in a what's a bird pack called? Hmm. Flock. 
A flock. A flock. There we go. A flock. Gag- gaggle. A gag- that would be geese. A, a gaggle of swallows. It's like a gaggle of swallows, just just gaggling around. Uh, and as, oh, as, okay. these, as these various pieces of this front group were sort of moving forward and back, you could watch Sagan. Yes, he closed a couple gaps. Yes, he did a bit of work. But Not he much. was really, really, really efficient. And he would jump onto these groups that was moving faster, like the side of the, of the group that was always moving faster. He'd just jump on it. Spent very little time in the wind. Yeah. That's the kind of thing you need to be doing in the last couple of kilometers if you want to have legs for a sprint. And surely he knew the way that finish was, that it's a slight downhill. You're not going to win that sprint from far back in the field. You've got to be in that front five, if not front three guys to win that sprint. Yeah, I think you, I think you had to be top five around that last corner to win, to win the race. So here's my second take. So throughout 2017, we watched, we watched Peter Sagan race like kind of a dum-dum. Just going to throw that out there. Mm. I mean, yeah, he won some races, but he also raced like kind of a dumb dumb in some races. Gun, specifically. Gamble 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 You don't ride that close. What happens when you ride that close to the barrier? Uh, you find the smooth ground and Duff attack. can happen. It's a gamble. Uh, gamble. Everyone was riding that line. Come on. Uh, anyway, Sagan was the total like pincher move, like model of efficiency that Greg Van Avermaet was in some of those early classics where he's just like, Nose is not in the wind. He's yeah, he's putting some effort forth to shut down brakes, but then he's not pulling through afterwards, and he's just saving it all for this 800 meter burst of speed followed by a bike throw. Like I don't know, I, I was psyched. It was like, man, these are the these are the lessons that Peter Sagan learned through 2017 on display, all in one performance. Or he's just not strong enough anymore, and he has to use his head to win races. Oh yeah, he's fallen Ooh. off. Yeah, he's fallen Hot off. Take. Last World Championship for Sagan. Hot. Also wrong. But, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> well, no. he's not going to win next year in Austria because no, it's like it's, a bajillion meters of climbing. Yep, that's true. So. It's up a bu- bunch of giants. Watching Peter Sagan in that finale is like watching. It's 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 you know like the first like two moves in a group ride where you still feel great. Yep. And you can just like punch through and you're like bah bah. It's like that, but for him forever. It, it doesn't it look just amazing. Wouldn't it be amazing to be able to ride bike like that? Yeah. I'm just super jealous. Mm. Right. But I, like I said, just, jealous. you know, there were opportunities. There were countless opportunities for Peter Sagan in those last 3K to like put in a move or see daylight in front of him and be like, that's it. I'm going at, going for it, man. Like, I'm going to like hunker down and just put in a huge attack. And he didn't. He yeah, didn't the do Gaviria it. moments. He didn't do the Gaviria <laughs> moments, which I do think that comes down to maturity, experience, and patience, having been in situations like that before and being like, nah, man, like, not gonna do it now, you know. It just it's it's not the right time. So you rode smart. Kudos to you Peter Sagan for being smart and fast and talented and good looking and rich and having good hair. Ah, the hair is not so much. He's, I think he's got to grow that out again. I agree. He looks like a child now. Hot, take. <laughs> hot, hot take. Okay, any other world's takes? What about Belgium? Over over everything. Boo, Belgium. Belgium cycling in the hot seat. Yeah. Belgium needs Tom Boonen to come back. Yeah, I think that so. actually was, it was a Tom Boonen course. That's the that's the funny part. So mm-hmm. here's the here's the move that I thought was going to happen that didn't happen, which is Gilbert and Nikki Terpstra are on that climb, and Al Philippe is going nuts, and Muscon is chasing after. I'm like, why don't you put in a huge effort, Gilbert and Terpstra, to get up there? Because by my estimation, a group containing those four guys is able to stick is able to stay away. I think any. I think any really strong group probably yeah. could have stayed away. The issue is that they, these groups were too small. So, you know, it, it was individuals or it was Alaphilippe and Moscon, and then, and then they separate and they're solo. You know, and, and what do you do? If, if it's still 30 dudes against one, you're, you're never going to stay away. They, they, needed a, they needed a better group to split off on that climb, and they just never got it. 
I think Alaphilippe was trying to pull out a couple of those guys. If Alaphilippe had been able to pull out a couple, you know, three yeah. or four strong guys instead of just one, it would have been a very different finale. What happens if Muscon wins? And then they're oh, like, he, go back and watch the. <laughs> does oh, he, does he get deked if he wins, or does the UCI just say, ah, that would be I th- that's I too sticky a wicket? Uh, did you see the video? Yeah, he's just he's getting a full arm pull. Yeah, it's not like a sticky bottle. It's like a rope toe. It's like it's like it was not even remotely acceptable behavior. And Gianni this is the second Moscone. time. Yeah, this is the second real time. Real fan favorite. Real fan favorite. Gianni. A real yeah, real real favorite of mine. Uh, what do we you know, do with this guy now? Saying racist stuff to Kevin Reza and then taking an epic sticky bottle in the final lap of the world championships not exactly uh doing yourself any favors with the fans there gianni (laughs) i think he needs a rebrand maybe we could be his uh, pr agency (laughs) of choice help him with a rebrand yeah oh gianni probably not though come on Eh. um well we're happy gianni muscon didn't win and uh we're happy that peter sagan did win because we have uh you know lots of takes to manufacture for the coming season peter sagan's return to glory he's a good world champion would anybody have been a better world champion Mm. In that group or just in general? Just period. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, Better than Sagan. I think Philippe would be a great world champion. Philippe would be all right. I think he would stoke the French people up. French need some stoke. Um, I think that Brent Brent Bookwalter would be a better world champion. (laughs) Kiel Reinen. Kiel Reinen, yeah. Yeah, I would vote for Kiel. I vote for Kiel. They're talkative. They say a lot. I love Peter Sagan, but he he gets in front of the press and just like says absolutely nothing. What about Alexei Litsenko? Oh, man, that'd be awful. <laughs> well, no, but then we would have... Globalizing a, cycling. We would he's, have... Uh, he's from Kazakhstan. A never-ending ability to show the clip of him trying to do a bike change at the time trial. Oh, and just good. total goofballing it up. And we could be like, there's your world champion, everyone. <laughs> Clap for him. Real good with the mounts and dismounts. Uh, guys, you guys are riding your bikes tonight, right? Some type of uh, high-performance criterium. Uh, they aren't actually going to be our bikes. They're loners. That's the yep. Cliff Bar Clunker crit here in Boulder. We're going to dress up in some silly costumes, and I don't even know what to expect. I don't really have fun. a costume. I just have a cat it should be sweater. Yeah. Cat sweaters. It counts. Clunker bikes. Either way, it's riding, though, which means we're healthy. Yeah. We're riding bikes. Right. So. When I think of uh, cat sweaters and clunker bikes, I think of healthy people who could benefit from Health IQ, uh. this week's wonderful partner. Uh, Health IQ is the life insurance company that caters to healthy people. And how do they do this, Kaylee? Well, basically, they have years and years and years of data that suggests that if you are healthy, you are more healthy than unhealthy people Mm. and therefore less likely to die. Okay. (laughs) And since they are in the business of insuring your life, uh, they give you a deal on life insurance. That is basically how it works. And all people have to do, all our lovely listeners have to do, is head to healthiq.com slash velonews. Very simple to remember. And they can get themselves a super special quote. Is there any deduction in there for like cat sweaters? Because I feel like that's half off. Also, okay, half off for cat sweaters. Carcinogens in the uh, fabric. Oh, yeah. Okay. Great. The opinions are those of the individual. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the show. Guys, before we get back to the Velo News podcast, we have some breaking news. We have some breaking news here from the sport of cycling. The sport Vlanderen team. They're no longer allowing their riders to have beards or mustaches. It's a facial hair-free team. I have a problem with this. What do we think about this? It's called a mustache, not an optional stash. What? Oh. <laughs> Good joke. Um, here are some of the comments coming out of Sport Vlander, which Sport Vlander, as everyone should know by now, is a pro-continental team that is sponsored by the Flemish government. It's been around forever, and it's basically like the stepping stone team for all the talented 
Flemish riders who are not necessarily the Tom Boone. It's not the superstars, but sort of the the tear down, and they need a place to get uh, get noticed. Really uh, charismatic group of guys. Sepp Van Mark was on that team. You're right. Uh, Leif Hosta, like they're they're. It's like a who's who of Flemish cyclists have come through there. But apparently, no mustaches going forward. So or be- beards, more importantly. Yeah, yeah I, beards. You know, I don't know how they where they stand on stashes. They didn't really specify. It was kind of translated to, so maybe we're a little so here's a quote on the details. Here's a quote coming out of the owner Walter Plankart. I'm taking this measure for the elegance of cycling. We're a cycling team with riders, not motocross riders or rugby players, snot and food leftovers in the beard of a rider in action. It's nasty. That's probably the grossest quote I've heard coming out of Belgium <laughs> Belgian cycling this entire year. Yeah, That's he, certainly up there. He's that pretty. He's pretty tuned in, huh? Yeah. Among the grosser, yeah, images that we have that they have inspired. Finger on the pulse. Uh, I think this is a great move. Okay. You know why? They only won three major races Ooh. in 2017. So culture so change. Yeah, change the culture of the locker room. Uh, you know, uh, rearrange the furniture a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, in high anything, sc- anything they can do. In high school, they used to like make us, you know, wear collared shirts before Ooh, nice. soccer games yeah. and stuff. They, you know, you, you got you to dress the part. I think yeah. this is part of that. That's right. That's um, right. As an occasional beard wearer, I can say that I rarely get food stuck in my beard. Mm. And if I did on a ride, it'd be kind of nice, you know? You just Save like, for oh, later. I need the uh, for later. bar. I got the, uh, got the food here. Well, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of more great mustache puns, but I stumble over my words. <laughs> well, I'm just looking at this post on com and scrolling down and seeing a picture of Peter Sagan looking like Cat Stevens, like like peak <laughs> Cat Stevens from 1976, full Captain Morgan beard and mustache. And like, what are they thinking? Yeah, and he was, that was, I think, after he won Kern Brussels Kern. Yeah. So, you know. I, I think... The data would suggest that beards are faster. Really? Yeah. Oh, is it like the dimples on golf balls? It like creates an aerodynamic advantage for yeah. your face? Well, maybe for next week's episode, I'll go back and, and check out some some wind data and, and see how many races have been won by bearded riders this year versus non-bearded riders. Well, Worlds is over, so we got a lot of time. to. We got well, a lot of time. time on our hands, so yep. let's, let's get to it. Simon, I can spend a week on that. Simon right? Geshka, he's a bearder. He's Geshka? a, he's a beardy weirdy. Yeah. Luca Paolini, when he won Gent Favelgun. True. Problematic. I think we're <laughs> that was a party beard. I think we're past that. I think we're past that. It was a party beard. He's hiding other things in that beard. Ooh. <sighs> uh, any, other be- <laughs> any other beard takes? I, I gave you my, my best beard pun. I'm sorry. All right, we're shutting down the beard uh, box. Sponsor opportunity for a... Um, Shaving company, maybe Gillette or something. Or, oh, well, that's they, what this. This is a, this is a sponsor play. This is a custom content sponsor play. Yeah, yeah. Top Sport Blender. Like well, content. I think they're going to have to because I reported on this team earlier this year. In fact, I spent an afternoon hanging with Sport Flander, and and they're very proud of the fact that they pay all of their riders the Pro Conti minimum of twenty five thousand euros a year. It's an entry level salary, and it's all about the access to racing as opposed to the cash. But hey, man, when you're getting paid 25,000 euros a year, like you can't go spending so much on expensive Belgian like uh, face trimming products. Like, what are you going to be doing? Like, uh, going to the drugstore for razors all the time so that Walter Plankart doesn't yell at you? Yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah. Sponsorship opportunity. It's exciting. It's really exciting. <laughs> all right. We've beaten this horse to death. Who shaves beard. 10 times a day and still has a beard? Um, probably uh, swarthiest man alive. Um, Oh, man, Sunweb guy. A barber. <laughs> ah. Ah. <laughs> okay. That's a pretty good one. Let's leave behind. I was thinking Lawrence Tendam. <laughs> Lawrence Tendam shaves 10 times a day and still comes out just looking like an animal. <laughs> Wild animal. 
Uh, okay, guys, that was a wonderful Velo News podcast. Um, oh, wait. Beep, 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 beep. We have some more breaking news. I think this breaking news is going to be the subject of our question of the week. Um, Mario Cipollini is saying that today's racing is boring. Yeah. He says this with relative frequency. What's up with that, man? Pretty much every time someone asks him whether racing is boring, he says yes. Well, because it was so exciting when Team Seiko would like line out the peloton for the final 10 games. Yeah, when he was winning 42 stages of the Giro. (laughs) It was really interesting when he was doing the uh, Industry Cup criterium at Interbike getting crashed out by, oh, well. um, We we can't say who. Can't say who. Can't say who. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, guys, how could Mario Cipollini make racing interesting he's a figurehead of the sport he has lots of money he has lots of power how could he personally make racing interesting i think you should run for uci president okay yeah le partien versus cipollini cipollini yeah next well it's a four-year term unfortunately so he has to wait four years what would be his platform uh his platform (laughs) (laughs) more tiger skin stuff uh i was gonna say uh mm. Uh, PG, we're going to keep this this podcast <laughs> yeah, yeah. rated PG. His, yeah, no, his platform would be more animal skin-themed skin suits. Okay. Uh, and also, he would change the uh, the Jira's pink jersey to that muscle, that printed muscle yep. suit that he wore one time. Yep. That's sort of pink red as well. And I think that yeah. the leader should have to just wear that all the time. That's nice. That's nice. I say that, obviously, he comes back to racing. Mm-hmm. But it's a special race, just a one-time race, and it's a pursuit between him and Chris Froome, nude. Oh, yeah. Because we know Chippo likes getting naked and riding his bike, and clearly Chris Froome, he's, he's curious. He's, he maybe would be uh, into it. So uh, a, little bit of a, a little bit of a pursuit race between uh, those two guys, two guys who could not be more different. The really. naked pursuit. What's up with that Cipollini naked uh, bike photo? Keith literally looks like He-Man. It's like, okay, this 50-year-old man, he's been uh, hitting the gym lately. He trains real hard. Goes yeah, to the aging clinics. Goes to the aging clinics. <laughs> yep. CrossFit. Ton of CrossFit. But really, can you imagine? Wow. That would be great. You could do pay-per-view for that. Yep, that's true. Hey, and that solves the economic problems of cycling. It'd be like, it'd be like boxing. Yeah, uh, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're solving cycling's problems just left and right. Um, You're welcome. Well, when I think about Cipollini racing, I think of large hair, I think of hairnets, and no helmets. Mm. So I think that the way that Cipollini could make racing more exciting is to require all men's racers to grow a large lion-like mane and then permit. Mm. Um, All racers, except for Chris Froome, because I don't know if that's going to happen for the poor guy. Mm. Require beards. Require beards. Require beards. I like it. Yep. Uh, Well, we would love your feedback on what we talked about today. You can email us at webletters at competitorgroup.com and submit and ask a cat three there as well. Yeah. We'll also post links to the stories we talked about today on velonews.com. Subscribe to the Velonews podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. And while you're there, please leave us a comment and a rating. Become a fan of Velonews on Facebook at facebook.com slash velonewsmagazine and follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash velonews. The Velonews podcast is produced by Vela News, which is owned by the competitor group. The thoughts and opinions expressed on the Vela News podcast are those of the individual. And as always, we leave you with the Brooklyn Boogaloo blowout playing the Bernard Purdy Classic Soul Drums. <laughs>